Revoltar! Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 146. I am dropping this on a Saturday evening, my time, early morning in Portugal on Sunday. Portugal, Uruguay on Monday, and two parts to this episode. First off, I want to introduce my guest that will be with me from start to finish, and that is, of course, uh, a lot of you know him, very recognizable name. His voice is very recognizable, and he's an absolute joy to listen to on Gold TV, and that is Nino Torres. Hello, Nino. Hello, Johnny. Thank you for having me back on the show. I mean, I, I love it. Uh, it's uh, getting here, ready to roll, all excited for the World Cup. You know, even though we will have Portuguese football going on, well, actually, we do have going on the cup, right? But uh, <laughs> we, we want to talk about that, uh, the uh, the events that are outside of the World Cup in a minute. Yeah, we're going to do two parts here. The first part, I'm going to get right through talking about Portugal and Uruguay on uh, Monday night, uh, Portugal time, uh, afternoon for me and you, Nino. And then we're going to spend the second part talking about the first 13 weeks of the Liga B1 season, uh, Nino, of course, again, the play-by-play voice in North America. And I wanted to get his thoughts on Benfica's great start, some of the surprises we have seen, what's going on at sporting. And obviously, we want to talk about some of the young players that play in Portugal. We saw uh, Enzo Fernandez today score a rocket, a golazo for Argentina. And I want to get his opinion on that. And obviously, Nino is based in beautiful Peru. He has a great handle on everything South America. So uh, we got somebody that can talk Portuguese uh, football, and we have someone that can talk about South America. So I hit the jackpot tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Johnny, for, 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 that, for that intro. And uh, yeah, I'm here ready. And uh, Jesus, this, this World Cup, it's just, it's just been fantastic. It's just it's been fantastic. And, uh, and despite all the, all the criticism, all the... Uh, the off the pitch issues that have been going on with the with the cup, uh, still soccer is shining as its best. Yeah, I think that's what FIFA and the organizers from. Uh, by the way, I say Qatar. People say Qatar. What do you say? I say Qatar. You say Qatar. Yeah, that's what I say. But uh, yeah, I mean, we've obviously have seen uh, some surprises with Saudi Arabia winning and. We saw a very dull draw between Uruguay and uh, South Korea, and um, we saw the Qataris get out right away. I think they've already been eliminated after two matches. We've seen Mexico uh, kind of not doing, you know, here's a country that has some good players playing in Europe. They're not doing very well. So it's been, um, I I think that talk now has become about what's going on on the pitch and not necessarily off of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and it's just... uh... It, it, it seems like it's, it's been an effort to uh, to, uh, to to bring the the dark side of the story on on this World Cup. I, I don't know what what is this coming from. I don't know what is this coming from, but I, I don't like it, and uh, I'm just gonna put it on the side. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a heck of a thing. My my thing is, I had um, somebody you know very well as well, Cristiano Oliveira, on my podcast about two episodes ago, and we discussed this that. You know, everyone has known that this is going to Qatar 10 years ago. I think it was about 10 years ago. I remember sitting in the same office that I'm talking to you right now. And I remember watching the announcement that uh, they were getting it. And everybody thought England was going to get it. And 
you know, you would have thought back then that would have been the appropriate time to complain about this, but that obviously hasn't happened. And, um, but, you know, look, th there's obviously been some issues. There's been some tremendous concern, but I will tell you this. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but Fernando Santos and the Portuguese players have been very upfront about the fact that they are players. When they come to the press conferences, they want to talk about football. They don't necessarily want to talk about, especially with Cristiano Ronaldo, they don't want to talk about it. Uh, but they, in a lot of ways, the media tries to transcend that and talk about things that they don't want. And it's it's been unfortunate, especially with the whole Cristiano mess, which, as you know, has been an absolute mess. Um, right. and the players have just gotten so tired of it. But you know what? We're going to not talk about the rest of that. We're going to stick to talking about the World Cup and the League of B-Win. And let me just start off first off. Um, a big match on Monday night. Um, yeah. This is, to me, one of the more attractive matches in the group stage because Portugal and Uruguay, each of them on their own continent, small countries. But when it comes to football, big players, big teams, great history. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts uh, in terms of going into this match? On, first of all, how excited are you? And number two, what are some of your thoughts? Uh, I think it's going to be massive. It, it's just going to be massive. Uh, uh, when I was looking at the schedule, uh, there were three games I was, that I was looking up to. The, the first one is the one that it happened today, Argentina versus Mexico. The second one is uh, Spain, Germany. That's tomorrow. And third one is uh, Portugal, Portugal and Uruguay. Well, especially because I got this, I, I, I posted this on social media. My heart is divided. My heart is divided on this match because I call both leagues and I, I follow the, the, the leagues for, for it's been four years. And um I got this is a special feeling for me. And I and I think this is uh, this is gonna be uh, fantastic. Let me tell you, I'm expecting a lot of goals on this match. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a shootout. It's gonna be a shootout. I'm, I'm, I'm looking uh three two for whoever wins. All right, I'm not gonna I'm gonna take any side on this one, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking up to for uh, at least 2.5 goals on on this match. I'm, I'm expecting Darwin to shine and expecting Joao Felix side to shine on the other side. Uh, of course, Cristiano, in um, with with two coaches that are, it, it seems to be that uh, they have elements of, of quality on every single line. Of the uh, of the formations, right? But uh, still, yet not figured out yet who goes where and when. Okay, and as this uh, we, we saw it in, in, in the Portugal game, they coming off the bench, Rafael boom, scoring a goal, Joao Felix moving to a, uh, to a, into a different position, and it's just small tweaks, just small tweaks on both squads that can bring up the very best of these players. Uh, playing for the national teams. Yeah, this will be the third time, well, actually the fourth time, excuse me, that they're going to be playing. Um, this will be the second official match. The last time Portugal played Uruguay was in uh, Russia in around the 16 match that uh, Uruguay won. If I recall correctly, it was a two to one. I think Pep scored the goal for Portugal and uh, Uruguay. I don't remember their goal scores, but I remember they won it a two to one. And then they played two times a friendly in in the 1960s and a friendly in the 1970s, which obviously I don't think adds to really anything going on uh, today. But, uh, you know, to me, my, my biggest concern with Portugal is, you know, when you say 
the possibility that there's going to be a lot of goal scores. You know, my concern is that with Fernando Santos and for all the talent that Portugal has and for all the players that are playing at some of the highest and biggest leagues in Europe, this team has underachieved mightily. They have not played to what we believe is their maximum. You know, they beat Nigeria 4-0 in a warm-up before they uh, left to go to Qatar, but that's not a big deal. But um, they just haven't quite with Fernando Santos um, been the team that everybody expected them to be and put it all uh, together. Um, and that's what's been very frustrating about uh, Portugal. I mean, Bruno Fernandes, Cristiano Ronaldo, Juan Felix, um, you know, I mean, Otavio, um, you know, Bernardo Silva, you know, yeah. you got players that could come off the bench like Andre Silva. And yet we had to go through the playoff to qualify for the World Cup. We had an opportunity in the Nations League at home playing Spain. All we had to do was draw and we lost one nil at home. And it's just a lot of second guessing. So the thing that worries me is, you know, if we get into a shootout with Uruguay, I worry because there hasn't been a lot of shootouts with Portugal and Fernando Santos. Right. You know, right. so that's like really my big concern. But listen, I think Uruguay for the most part is a fairly recognizable squad, but uh, tell us about two or three of their players that I think you'll, that I think are going to stick out on uh, Monday night. Diego uh, Godin, uh, Matias Vecino, and, uh, and Darwin. Those mm -hmm. are the three players that I think are going to be the, uh, the the key players on this match. One on on each uh, on each line of of, of the structure of your one. Yeah. Now Uruguay, correct me not if I'm wrong. When it came to the World Cup qualifiers, didn't they replace their manager during the uh, World Cup? I'm trying to remember. Did yes. Anybody... Yes. Yes. They they did replace uh, Tavares for for uh, uh, what's his name? Is Diego? I forgot his last name. Diego Alonso. Alonso, Diego Alonso, yes, 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 Diego Alonso, Diego Alonso, yeah. Jesus, Lord, I went blank for a second. Um, yeah, it, it was, it, it, he had the longest, well, the longest tenure at, uh, under, uh, as a national, as a national head coach, uh, Tavares. And uh, he, he came to the point that uh, he had no more uh, new ideas to how to play this, this team. You know, it was just being, being, uh, been too long on the uh, on the position, and uh, in in they they need some some fresh ideas, some fresh approach uh, with this team that is loaded loaded with young talent, loaded on young talent, and uh, they got five players that play in the the four consecutive World Cup, and um, and uh, they, they're gonna it's, it's an incredible mix between experienced players uh, and young talents that are just you know shining in. in in the in the toughest and the biggest leagues in the world, right? Like Darwin, you got Felipe Valverde, you got Matiasino, uh, you got Pelistri, uh, the place in Man United. And, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, they have interesting pieces, especially in offense. And uh, but still, it was in, in the late in the last game uh, against Korea uh, when uh, I think he still. Uh, believes that uh, Luis Suarez can give you a good 75 minutes of of, uh, of soccer. I don't think it's gonna be the case. I, I think if, if I'm the Alonso, if I gotta take a, a hard decision on, on this team, is uh, using Suarez 30 minutes, 
30 minutes and then give and give a uh, give Cavani a, a, a better option or even play with a with a, with, with three uh, with three up front using uh, Tincanovio using the uh, Factoros and Faco Pelistri. That's that's an idea that is uh, it's just a little bit too more uh, too more offensive minded minded like I am. But I, I think it's gonna be the case. But he could usually easily easily go with two super fast wingers. Right and have Darwin, who is also the fastest player uh, for for Uruguay, and uh, it's gonna be a juggernaut in offense. But I don't think he's gonna go that way. I don't think he's gonna go that way. I think he's gonna still start uh, Lucas Vares and, and and Darwin uh, with a with a double uh, two strikers on top, and not going for a four three three. Yeah, and uh, the manager we just talked about, uh, Alonso, he actually started managing them in the middle of December, re replacing Oscar Tabarez, who had been there for the previous uh, 15 years. And I can tell you something right now, Nino, there's a lot of people wish that Portugal would have replaced their manager, much in the way that Uruguay replaced their manager, because there's a lot of people not happy with uh, Fernando Santos. And um, uh, it really is amazing that for everything that Portugal has, um, that he has managed to survive, especially after they had to qualify. And, you know, I think it was about a year ago, close to a year ago at this time, we were playing Serbia at home and all we needed to do was draw against Serbia. And we didn't, we had to go to the world cup playoff. And, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, Portugal's, uh, you know, in it, but um, yeah, I mean, for me, when this draw came out, the, the first thing I thought about was, you know, again, two small countries with amazing talents, players playing at the highest level and you know you've got players like you know like you said Luis Suarez um you know you got players like Cavani uh players that you wonder if they still have a lot of their best days left ahead of them you know we don't know yet we don't know we have a player like Christian free agent Cristiano Ronaldo which is you know I think actually I was saying in my last episode that I think it's actually a very good thing because I think Cristiano now is playing for his next opportunity and I think that's only going to motivate him more. Um, so I think it's 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 been really a, you know a very good thing. But yeah, it's going to be a very good match. Um, you know, I I want to see. Let me first of all, let me just say that as far as Portugal goes, there are two players. Uh, we're recording this on a Saturday that did not train with Portugal on Saturday, and that's Otavio and Nuno Mendes. Um, I don't understand. Guerrero got the start at left back last game. But I don't understand why Nuno Mans didn't because he had been training with the team. And I guess now he must be having a setback because he didn't play. And now he's back to, you know, not training today. And then Otavio, of course, who seems to get hurt sometimes a lot, in my opinion. I don't know, at least maybe when he's with the uh, the national team. But I'm predicting with with regards to uh, Portugal, I think, uh, you know, again, I'll I'll send out my prediction lineups on a Sunday night on PortugueseSoccer.com Twitter. But I think it's pretty obvious. you got Diego Costa starting as a goalkeeper. Um, it's important to let everybody know that Diego Costa is okay, even though he made what would have been a, a monumental. Oh it was monumental. scary. That was scary. Scary. You know, I could not believe that because had that been – had that gone in, that would have been, in my opinion – uh, one of the worst things that yeah. I ever would have seen. And this is a kid who's one of the big stars in Portugal right now, as you know, domestically. He's going to be bringing Porto a lot of money. And the thought that he could have committed that mistake would have just been awful. 
But I think there's no surprise that it's going to be Acosta. I think we're going to see João Cancelo. Yeah. Uh, the question then is, is Danilo going to get the start again? PSG's Danilo. Or are we going to see uh, Pep get the start? Um, he has been training with the team. Again, I was very surprised that he didn't start last game. Of course, you got Ruben Diaz. And then the question is, is, is he going to go with uh, Guerrero or is he going to go with Nuno Menz? Uh, but I would say right now, I think it's going to be uh, Rafael Guerrero. Yeah, he performed, he performed well. He was one of the highest performers on the pitch in the first game. I, think, I, I don't see why not he's going to be the starter in the, in the next game uh, with Portugal. Now, with the center back position, um, I don't know how, 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 fit, how fit is Pepe now. I, I've been following his uh, reports and everything, but uh, if, he, if he's not starting, he's, he's not 100%. He's not 100%. And uh, I would love to see Antonio Silva. I would love to see him. Oh, and wow. you don't see that one. I, I, that's my, I, I'm not saying that's my uh, lineup prediction, but I, I would love to see Antonio Silva uh, playing on the uh, on this match. I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think he's going to still go with Danilo. He's going to stick to it. You know, I had um, two episodes. I had Cristiano Oliveira on, and Cristiano was, um, you know, he was very pro-Antonio. A lot of people are. Because, you know, Portugal is a league that is filled with young talents. And a lot of times the young talents get more attention than the actual matches in the Liga B-Win. Um, everything is about what the young players do, the golazos they scored. And maybe I'm just in the minority, and there are those that will think that I'm being anti-Antonio Silva. But in reality... What I'm being is, is that I want to win. Um, and that is, you know, is this stage the biggest stage in the world? Is it the right stage to put an 18-year-old who, even though he's been fantastic for Benfica, he has made a few mistakes. Right. And, right. you know, but I just, I worry. I just feel like if we get the Pep who played against Juventus two years ago when Porto eliminated Juventus and Cristiano Ronaldo in the round of 16. And by the way, Pep was still pretty old at that age, even though he's two years older. I just <laughs> worry, again, this is not to say that the kid isn't going to be fantastic. I just I just hope we just don't have, because, you know, in this game, I think you would agree with me. One bad mistake could could end it all, could, could be the biggest result of why one team will win. No? I mean, I, I don't know. That's just my opinion. Uh, well, I've got to, I am pro- Pro uh, young players, I, I, and I am. I believe that uh, if the if, if the player is ready, he has to play. Okay, and uh, and, and Antonio Silva has proven all right the, 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 in the, in the uh, uh, Champions League games that he is ready for the big stage, and this is the biggest stage, of, of course, right? But uh, he 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 doesn't care. He doesn't care who plays against. All right, and I'm gonna bring up this this name for you. I don't know if you've been watching the uh, Group A with uh, Ecuador playing, playing the Netherlands. They, they, this is a, a player, and uh, this is the same case with a bunch of players from Ecuador. The old young young players, and um, Kevin Rodriguez. All right, he's a player, a striker from the second division. All right, second. I've heard about this. Yes, 20, twenty-two year old. Coming in and going against Virgil Van Dyke like nothing, like he is his little brother, okay? And that's the kind of mentality that I think Antonio Silva has to, all right? They go against 
whoever they're going to play. And they won't back down to anybody, to anybody. So if uh, that's what I believe. And I, and I, and I, uh, I think Antonio Silva, if he's on the, uh, the national team, if he, if he, if he calling, it, it's for a reason. And I think if, he, if they need him, he's going to step up and he's going to perform well. Yeah, and again, I, I don't want to say that I'm not a fan of the kid. I think he's done a great job. But again, to, to, to put it into better perspective, Portugal has underachieved with this team. Um, even though we won a Euro in a Nations League, and, and I don't know how many people take the Nations League title that seriously, for the most part with Fernando Santos, we have underachieved. We haven't, uh, we haven't scored as many goals as people think we should score. You know, we had like Qatar in our World Cup qualifying group. And we scored a lot of goals in those matches, but we didn't necessarily do great with, with any of the other matches. And I just worry that because we're an underachieving team, that that puts us in a position where making one mistake sticks out more than usual. Whereas if you're scoring three or four goals a game with all the talent that we have, then you can make up for it. You make a mistake in the back, no problem. You got Cristiano, you got Felix, you got all these players, Bruno, Bruno Fernandez. But I just worry sometimes that we have it so tough sometimes to score that I can't sit here with a lot of confidence and say, you know what, we're going to score three or four goals against Uruguay. I, I just don't know if I see that. And that's why it makes me just worry that we need to do everything we can to mitigate mistakes. And one of those is, you know, do we put a young kid who has a, who I think has a better chance of making a mistake than someone like Pep? But again, we'll see. But that's my back line. Uh, I think I see Costa, Cancelo, um, Pep, Diaz, and Guerrero. I don't think you're going to see a Nuno Men start. Uh, in the midfield, let me let me get your opinion on this. I think I see uh, Bernardo, Ruben Edge. Um, Some people are predicting William. I'd like to see Paulinho. What do you think about that one? Uh, I would love to see, actually, uh, Joe Mario on, on the midfield. I would love to see Joe Mario. I think, yeah, they, they were missing that uh, the, the link up player in, in, in the previous match and Bernardo uh, he was off. He was off. He was on a quiet night. I mean, I, I, I just I cannot believe how, how, how I'm gonna say how bad he played. But that's not the that's not the term, but uh, he was uh, on a sub performance so far performance and uh the the the, the, the kind of distribution that uh, that Joao Mario brings to the table, he's, he's, he's going to be important. It's going to be important for, uh, especially to to feed the uh, Christian, to feed Joao Felix, or whoever else is, is playing on top. Yeah, that's my midfield. And then the players up top, um, I think he, there's not going to be a lot of changes. You'll see Bruno, you'll see Cristiano, and you'll see Felix. Yeah, I, I don't think that 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 changing and uh. In, I would love, that's me. That's what I would love to see is having uh, Felix and Leao on the wings and having Cristiano on top. That would be fantastic. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, I think uh, many people would agree with me to, to, see the, to, to say that this is the, the strongest from uh, attacking options that uh, Portugal has on, uh, at this very moment. Yeah, so I mean, Portugal and um, so much talent, but again, we just, you know, but, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, we'll see. And like I said, I'll put out my uh, my predicted 11 on uh, Sunday night because, again, we need to see what's going to happen on uh, 
training on Sunday, um, you know, will, um, you know, is uh, Nuno Mensch going to play? I think that's a very thing. Nuno Mensch is fast on the left side. I think he would be fantastic. And I think he would be. And then for Uruguay, uh, uh, by the way, I'm probably not going to say the names right. So let me just apologize. Right now. <laughs> my my um, sort of New York accent is not going <laughs> to, uh, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just not. But uh, I think in, for Uruguay, I think you'll see a uh, Rochette. Yeah. You'll see Caceres, Godin, Jimenez, and Oliveira. What do you think of that? Yeah, it's, it's, gonna, sing, it's gonna be the same back four that started in, in, in the first game. I have no no issues with that. And uh it's just amazing how Caceres, Martin Caceres, which is one of the uh, the players like explained his uh or the World Cup. Uh <laughs> some there was uh, somebody posted this on Twitter. Uh nobody knows where does he play. But every four years, you see Martin Cassidy on the on, on the starting eleven for <laughs> Uruguay. He performs, he delivers. But there's there's a player. Hope I don't know if he uh, if the Alonso is going to use him. But uh, eh, Puma Rodriguez, uh, the, the right back from uh, from from Nacional, eh, he he's been on the on the talk. So maybe if something happens to Martin Cassidy, I think he's going to be the first option for the Alonso. He is phenomenal as a right back, the best right back from the uh, Uruguay top five division this year. Yep. And then when we look at uh, start working our way in the midfield, Valverde, Betsincourt, Vicino, what do you think about those three predictions? Uh, it's going to be the same. It's, it's going to be that one. But uh, the, 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 the issue here that we were having, you know, all the, uh, the, the play announcer, play by play announcers of Gold TV, the uh, commentators were discussing uh, the position of Fede Valverde, who was uh, playing like uh, he was uh, in uh, in a cage, right? He was uh, like, uh, he didn't have enough freedom to, to fly like, uh, on the wings like he does uh, with, uh, with Real Madrid. But uh, if, if that's the, if that the it, it is, if it's, that's the case for this. Uh, for this midfield, Valverde playing out wide is going to be the better option for, for Uruguay to do the more damage. And then up front, uh, Palestri, Suarez, and Nunez. He, he's not going to change that one. He, yeah. He's not going to touch it. He's not going to touch it. Not going to touch it. I just hope that uh, Uruguay is just as boring against Portugal as they were against South Korea. <laughs> That's my goal because it was uh, nil nil uh, the uh, the first game. Although to be fair, South Korea is you know maybe a work maybe a friendly maybe a summer tournament. They're not that great, but they always tend to be very tough in the World Cup. Um, I'm trying to remember, didn't they in the last World Cup surprise somebody? Um, but uh, you know they always tend to be tough. And obviously, by the way, that's the next match for Portugal. And everyone knows that the manager of South Korea is Portuguese. It's Paulo Vento who was a manager before Fernando Santos. And right. he's basically been in South Korea and he's done a very good job with uh, South Korea. He's, he's really uh, revolutionized. But um, yeah, so let me put you on the spot now, uh, Nino. And uh, uh -huh. let me uh, put you on the spot here. So prediction. Three, two, Portugal with the third goal by Cristiano. Nice. You know what? If, if if that happens, you've got dinner on me because that would be that would be crazy because you know the amount of attention, by the way, I don't know if you saw that Pogba 
was talking about how he never saw anybody get as much attention as Cristiano. You know, I was actually, it's funny, on um, on Thursday, it's, it was Thanksgiving here, and I was going to my sister's house, so I was listening to the game uh, on a nap, and where I was going to the bus station, um, they had a big screen up. They were showing the game, and nice. um, it was amazing. I think it was on a free kick. Cristiano was, was, was attempting, and everybody, I think it was also on the PK, stopped what they were doing to watch him, you know, do what he does. And it was just, it was just absolutely amazing. Like the attention he gets, but uh, I'll tell you something, if that happens, it's going to break the internet. It's going to break social media. If he scores the winning goal. Um, and I'll tell you something else. Um, if that were to happen and they were to score three goals, much in the way we saw them score three goals against Ghana, that would be Portugal reaching their potential of scoring the amount of goals that one would expect when you have such a team with such players that are playing at the highest level, it would be. And uh, it would be, I think, a fantastic uh, match. Um, so I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I For me, I'm, I'm sort of expecting Portugal to win. I'm going to say two to one. Um, and I want to say that so nobody gets upset at me. But I also will say I wouldn't be surprised if we draw, um, which wouldn't necessarily be a bad result for Portugal because – that would put Uruguay at two points and that would put us at four. And I do definitely see us, you know, going to play South Korea a little bit better. Um, that's my prediction. I, I think I, I would see that. And uh, um, let me ask you a question on the subject of the World Cup. And first of all, let me just say, um, I've seen you've been doing some stuff on social media. You have uh, live broadcasts on Instagram. You have a, uh, you know, you have a TikTok account. Tell the audience a little bit about where they could find you and some of the things that you've been working on. Like if somebody wants to go to a broadcast right after a game and, and listen to some opinion, tell them a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing, uh, I'm, I decided to call the, the three Portugal games on the, uh, uh, on the first round in the group stage. And uh, when I, I'm broadcasting on, uh, on Instagram, I'm going live, uh, doing my, my live uh, broadcast on, on Instagram searches. Only thing you gotta do, just turn your TV, put on mute, and you can hear me out. All right, that's an Instagram. And then, of course, you're going on TikTok. You know, got you know TikTok is just small videos, and I'm, I'm trying to get opinions, predictions, like the one for Taremi. I I, I I gotta tell you one more. I gotta got predicted today. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy because Enzo Fernandez got in, in, in the pitch, and uh, we we're watching the games here with some friends. And uh, my, my friend's uh, son, he, he, he told me, what do you think about Enzo? Watch. Watch for this corner kick. Enzo's going to score on this corner kick. Boom! It happened. It didn't happen. I was just so... Uh, was, I mean, I was just jumping up uh, all over the place. And, uh, but yeah, all across the board on social media, you can find me as uh, ESPDino74, uh, posting things on Twitter, going on Facebook, also on Instagram, TikTok, all, all across the board on all the platforms. Yeah, I think, and I've had the opportunity to uh, watch some of the stuff you've been doing, and it's uh, great content. And, uh, you know, again, uh, we're going to come up, coming up now here with part two, and we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Liga B-Win. For all those that are new, you know, I always get a bunch of new people every week on the uh, podcast. You know, Nino is the play-by-play -play voice, the English language play-by-play uh, -play voice for uh, Gold TV. Uh, what I love about Gold TV is that you guys show like three to five matches a week, uh, which I think is, uh, you know, fantastic. And 
a lot of people, um, you know, they also sometimes, but it's only one game a week is RTP International. But you guys, you know, you do your, your three to five games a week. And uh, coming up here in a few moments, we're going to do part two. And I want to talk to you, Nino, about your thoughts about the first 13 matches. Is Benfica for real? Um, what do you see happening? You know, can sporting and Porto catch up? I, I don't see sporting, but I think Porto has that opportunity. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Casapia. What is going on with Braga? You know, they won tonight uh, in the uh, League Cup. But uh, Braga started off fantastic. And I uh, also want to get your opinion on some of the uh, biggest names uh, in Portugal. And uh, we'll come up and we'll uh, talk about that coming up here on part two. Part two of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. And I'm here with uh, a good friend. He's been on this uh, podcast a few times and one of the reasons why I like listening to Nino uh, or watching Nino as well, obviously, with the play-by-play -play, is that he comes from outside of Portugal. And when you start talking about Portuguese refs, when you start talking about controversies on the pitch, I feel like with Nino, you're getting a very objective view from the outside. Whereas everybody knows in Portugal, it all depends on who you're rooting for, Befica, Porto, and Sporting. And depending on... There's a few people that have been guests on my show. They know what I'm talking about. That kind of sways your opinion in one direction. But I feel like with you, um, that I think you're getting a very honest opinion from somebody that's kind of, you know, doesn't have the history of understanding the rivalries and the conspiracy theories, which, by the way, there are more conspiracy theories in Portuguese football than there is about Area 51. I mean, it's just... <laughs> You know, there's all this stuff. And I'm not here to say that a lot of them are wrong or not. But let's talk a little bit about the Liga B win season and, and an opportunity. Uh, first off, in Portugal right now, um, we have the League Cup going on. Um, I am a fan of doing this tournament because the idea of clubs sitting around for five weeks and doing nothing but training sessions, um, I just I don't like that idea. Um also, the Portuguese league has been the subject of some controversy because, um, as we saw with the final uh, group stage match in the Champions League in Europa, there was some criticism toward the Portuguese league about a congested schedule and should have Porto and Braga played or Sporting played their final group match. You know, in other words, should they have played their Liga B win match and not have that match postponed so that they would have more time to rest for Europe? So when you think about the League Cup competition, and let's say you play that after the World Cup, now you've got teams that are playing in Europe that have to play the Liga schedule, they have to play the Portuguese Cup, and then you got to worry about the League Cup. Now you put the League Cup during the World Cup where it doesn't interfere with everything. I think it helps the Portuguese League uh, have a better schedule the rest of the way, but a lot of people... Um, you know, don't like it. Uh, first of all, do you care, you know, in light of the fact that you have an emotional vested interest in Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, have you paid attention to any of this? <laughs> to be honest, man, to be honest, during the World Cup, nothing else matters. Uh, nothing else matters. I don't even watch even NBA, nothing, nothing outside the World Cup. I don't watch the news, I don't watch anything. All, all, I, all I've been uh, eating, drinking and dreaming has been uh, about the World Cup. But uh, what you say about the uh, the uh, uh, the strategy of the, the Portuguese league to to use uh, this sort sort of a break 
from the competitions and uh, keep the uh, keep the teams uh, in, in, in the, keeping their fitness, keeping the, the competitive level throughout these five weeks. I think it's, it's a great idea. It also frees up some um, some space and uh, liberates the, uh, the the workload for for the teams in the uh, in, in the, the Primera Liga. Yeah, I just think it's just uh, it's a very good idea because otherwise you're just sitting around doing nothing. Um, you know, these players are getting paid. Clubs need the money. Now, the attendances haven't necessarily been filling it up. I think uh, there was a Befica match that was played at a rented stadium when they played um, with the, the first group match. I think it was Estrela Madura. They played that match at uh, Leiria. There are several stadiums uh, in uh, Portugal that uh, were built for Euro 2004. And what happens a lot of times, Nino, is when it comes to cup competitions and you've got these small clubs that are hosting a big club, these stadiums, even though they put concerts in there, even though they put track and field events in there, most of the time these stadiums get used for football when these smaller clubs need a bigger venue to play a bigger club. And uh, the only match we've seen so far that has attracted any significant crowd was in Leiria. We saw Estrela Madura in front of 6,000 fans play Benfica and Benfica won. But for the most part, uh, this hasn't attracted a lot of attention among the fans. I think, I don't know, I, I probably heard this, but the Boa Vista B-Sad match, B-Sad, of course, is now playing in the second division. Um, they played that match in the Jamur. It was it was uh, B-Sad's home match. And Jamur, for a lot of people that don't know, that is where they play the final of the Portuguese Cup. It's uh, It's a very old stadium. It has a lot of character, has a lot of history. Uh, but these last few years, I know Casapia, that's where they play a lot of their matches now. They had 161 fans at a recent League Cup game <laughs> against Bolivia. You know? So in that regard, it hasn't, uh, hasn't been very good. But again, I think um, for me, number one, and I'll say this before we move on and talk about the Liga B win, it's better than sitting around doing nothing. It's an opportunity to play your depth, play your second goalkeeper, to play your second and third midfielder and give them a chance to play. Um, and I think for me, it's a it's a win-win because uh, if they do the League Cup during the season with regards to all the other competitions that are going on, then all it does in Portugal is create more controversy because then people complain, well, this is, you know, why do we have this competition? And by the way, we are going to have this competition because it's contracted to happen the next three years. You can't just get rid of it. There's sponsorship right. deals, there's TV, you know how it works. And, you know, you just can't, you know, do that. Um, so I think for me, you have to do that. And it's better off getting it over with now and playing it during the time of the year. Because once the matches get toward the end and instead of having four World Cup matches in a day, all of a sudden you have two. Because pretty soon, remember, you're going to have the final group matches where you're going to have two matches being played at once. Right. So there isn't going to be that much football. And then once you get down to the end of you know the groups and everyone's playing to finish in first, I think the matches will take on a better interest. But listen, let's talk about the Liga B win, which I know a lot of people have an interest in. Tell me your initial thoughts to this 2022-23 uh, season. Um, it's just the, the, the arrival of Roger Schmidt uh, to uh, – to Benfica has been just, you know, probably the, the best signing uh, for the club in, in years. And uh, it's just it's such a great addition, great addition for Benfica, bringing a different mentality, uh, a different approach to the games, uh, remaining undefeated. 
I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I was thinking when I was just in during the first, uh, what is it, 10 games, I was waiting for the for the hiccup. Where's the hic- where's the hiccup from Benfica? Because it happened in the, in the past three seasons. Yeah. They were running perfect, five for five, rolling, and then one game ruined the season. They, one game ruined the season. And then from that loss, they could not recover and then get to the same point that when, when they started. It hasn't happened with, with, with this Benfica 2022-2023 edition. And I, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think that Roger Schmidt is gonna let down. Is gonna let that team uh, to. Uh, of course, I think they, they're still gonna probably miss, probably lose a couple of games, but you know. But uh, I, I think it's gonna be it. You know, in and their their competitors, the way they lost, everybody lost. What is it? Second, the third place, and the fourth place. If you got a, got got at least two or three losses already, and that's an advantage you cannot give in the in in, in this league. This you cannot give that advantage, especially early, especially early on the season. Yeah, and uh, and by the way, Mafika won tonight their league cup match, so they are now on twenty seven matches, official matches with Roger Schmidt where they have yet to lose. Uh, they've had a few draws. Um, they actually, the closest they came to losing was a Portuguese cup game uh, at Caldas, which is a third division club, uh, about a half hour outside of uh, Lisbon. But um, yeah, and I got to give Rui Costa a lot of credit because, um, you know, when they brought in Roger Schmidt, a lot of people wondered if bringing in a German manager, obviously a different mentality would work. And it's been uh, perfect. The only problem though, with Roger Schmidt doing as well as he does, like everything else in Portugal with players, is when you're that good, the big clubs come calling. The phone's going to start ringing, and the agents are going to start fielding the offers, and everyone's going to think of dollar signs or euro signs, whatever you may call it. And that's the only downside of it, where if he does that well, he's going to be ripe for a big offer in Europe. But I, think, I don't think he's going to leave. I think he's going to leave after one season. How, how many? How many? How many coaches left Benfica or any of the big clubs in Portugal after one season of, of success? I don't think many. And I can't recall any name right well, now. Andres Villas Boas uh, left after one year at Porto. <laughs> Andres Villas Boas is one manager that I can think of that left after one year at uh, Porto. Um, a lot of managers, as soon as they taste that success. They move on, you know. Marco Silva bounced around, but as soon as he had some big opportunity, he's uh, you know he moved on, and you know there's all these Portuguese managers, and and that's just uh, the way it goes. Um, but um, I, I think Roger Schmidt deserves a lot of credit because this is the Benfica team that everybody expected. What's interesting also about Benfica, you, you were talking about João Mario, and mm-hmm. whether or not you know he should be getting more time with the Silasone Portugal, but. The only thing about João Mario is he just seems to be working very well with Schmidt. Schmidt just seems oh, yeah. to have a lot of competence. He doesn't seem to bring that João Mario when he plays for the national team. As we saw in the game against Spain, he didn't really bring a whole lot when he came in in the second half. But he just seems to be excelling with Roger Schmidt. And I think Roger Schmidt just, you know, he gave everybody a clean slate. Um, you know, he just he just changed things. And I just think that... Uh, you know, it's funny. I was telling this to some Benfica uh, fans that, you know, in Portugal, you have three newspapers, Nino. 
Right. You got Abola, which tends to be very favorable to Benfica. Right. You got Ojogo, which is no doubt the mouthpiece of Porto. And then you have the record, which tends to be the mouthpiece, the more positive news, you know, regarding a sporting. And the biggest news that media have been able to pick on Benfica about negatively has been the fact that their CEO, I don't know if you heard this story, okay, Benfica's playing in Paris against PSG, and the CEO who does these interviews once a month about Benfica's business plan. They actually do very well, Benfica. They, they have a streaming service. Uh, they have this corporate catering. You know, they're all this good. Right. But apparently, this was the most negative story we've seen of Benfica in the fall, is that this particular CEO, when he went to the game in Paris, was upset at the team coordinator because he did not have great tickets. And he did not have great seats. And this became front page news in Albola and the record. You know, like, you know, you lose two or three matches in a row and it's, you know, got to rechange the lineup. And, you know, Joel Mario is, you know, awful. And, you know, Schmidt, you know, the, the world is starting to crack underneath him. But the most negative news people have reported since Schmidt took over has nothing to do with the squad. It has to do with the CEO <laughs> not being happy. And it became, it became very big news. Very big oh, news. Oh, really? Okay. So the next time you do a Benfica game, and if you hear if you hear about Benfica CEO and the controversy, now you know where it's uh, coming from. But um, moving on, I mean, what is going on at sporting? Um, I mean, I said two years ago, and I, I like your opinion on this. Um, I said two years ago, and this was obviously the year where we finished the season and then we started the, you know, the new season. And I said that, you know, there was no fans in the stadiums. Sporting had a lot of young players. Right. They had, obviously, we know they won the championship, uh, but they weren't playing necessarily with the same pressure if you were to go to a luge with 60,000 fans, but they won. And then they sold some players. Last year, they came back. And they were good, but they weren't good, as good as they should be. And then this year, you know, they sell João Paulinha in the summer. They sell Mateus Nunez in the summer. And they come back this year, and they're nowhere near the team that they were last year or the year before. And a lot of people criticize the club for selling players. But you have to sell players in Portugal. you got to make that money. you got to pay the bills. Someone's got to keep the lights on, and that's what they do with the players. But have you been surprised at what's been going on at Sporting? I mean, Ruben Amarim was – everything he touched would turn to gold. And now he's struggling. It's part of his stubbornness. And I, this, uh, I think that there's something that uh, hasn't come up uh, very often, I think. But uh, – he he's a storm again, and uh, and uh, everything. I think the the decline started uh, by the end of last season when he got this uh, this beef with uh, with Slimani, right? When he got that, I think he he lost that leadership in, in that locker room, and I, I don't think it's gonna ever be restored uh, the confidence that the player has on 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 Amorin. and uh, he. What well, I was sticking, sticking the, to Paulinho, and he had also uh, some uh, negative comments about uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, the possibility of having Cristiano uh, to, to come back to, to sporting. I mean, for me, 
it's just it's, if if Cristiano has a chance to come to my team, you're welcome. <laughs> you are welcome. I'm pretty sure any 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 manager, almost any manager outside of Ten Hag, of course, <laughs> will get, will be uh, happy to have a uh, Cristiano in, in the roster. And uh, that's not some. It's just that's the main reason why. Uh, Sporting Stolen this this year. He has also young players, young talents. He 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 normally he uses him, but not 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 as often as as, as he used to before. And uh, there, there's some quality that they have on the bench. Uh, Pat Morita, as I call him, he's not Pat, right? But you know, I call him Pat Morita. Uh, he he's strong to to take home, and now he's uh, the uh, probably the best player alongside with a. Uh, my still MVP candidate of the season, Marcus Edwards. Oh, you say yes. I remember you were talking about him. I've heard you elsewhere, and I know you were talking about him. Yeah, Marcus is obviously a very good talent, and um, he's obviously attracted some interest back from his uh, native England. But Sporting is not the team they were last year or two years ago, and you know it's just it's been um, it's been shocking. It's been shocking to see them, you know, 12 points behind. And um, Porto, um, you know, they're only eight points behind. That's a lot of points. I, I don't know if you know this. Uh, there was a fact that came out with great Twitter account, Playmaker. Um, I'm not going to sit here and act like it came for me because uh, I always like to cite the source. Right. In Portugal, whenever a team has had an eight-point lead or more, they've never, they've never lost and they always go on to win the title. And if you go along with that stat, it pretty much means it's over. But the thing about Benfica is they haven't hit, like you said, they haven't had the hiccup yet. And how long will that hiccup be? And, you know, can all of a sudden they drop two or three matches? Or let's say they lose and they also draw two other matches. Next thing you know, Porto's only three or four points behind and they still have to play each other. And it just winds up being, you know, a brand new game. But uh, Porto, I mean, Conceição, what's your thoughts on Conceição? It seems like, Every week at Porto, there's a controversy. The most recent one was the League Cup game, um, where apparently the manager of the rival team in the League Cup uh, pushed Wendell. That became a thing. And then the Tassa match against Mafra, he kicked the ball. When the ball came out of bounds, that became a thing. Uh, what's your <laughs> opinions on Kosi? So I think he's a fantastic manager. And he I think. Yes, yes, he is. And uh, I don't know why. I mean, why people is getting with well, what are you surprised about? That's, that's the same guy. That's, that's his character, that's his personality. He's uh he's a, such a hard-headed uh, uh manager. And, and, and you know what? I love him. I, I love him. Sometimes he's gonna gonna act, act like a uh, like a spoiled brat sometimes, but uh but hey, he gets the things right, and I have no issues whatsoever. With a weak sock, he kicks the ball, or he pushes somebody, or he throws the bottle of water to the ref. I don't care. I don't care about that. I care about his decisions and how he, what's, what's, what kind of leadership he brings uh, to the table. And that's just that quality is just undeniable on Sergio Conceição. Yeah, Conceição, and to his credit, you know, they started off so poorly in the Champions League. You know, they lose at home to Club Bruges. I think it was 4 0. Uh, unheard of unheard of for a Portuguese team to lose that way to a, a team from Belgium and they come back and they come back to take care of business and it, they, they were just so good but uh, I still think Porto's got a lot to say but I think right now 
Uh, we obviously know that Benfica is in the uh, driver's seat. Uh, what are some of your other thoughts about the league? Any teams surprised you? Any teams uh, not surprising you? And some of your other thoughts about Liga B1. Uh, very impressed with, with Casapia. Casapia, uh, uh, I'm, I'm being honest. I mean, I don't follow much the uh, Portuguese second division. First off, because I, I got four leagues to cover. And uh, it's just sometimes I, I cannot fit in that many games in, in, in my in my week. Uh, but Casapia, I mean, has been, I said it at the beginning of the season, he, after the three first matches, the three first rounds, I said, they're going to be the best of the rest. They're going to be the uh, Rio Aves. They're going to be the, uh, the, the Passos Ferreira. They're going to be the, uh, the, what's the other name? Family Cow of the recent, uh, they're going to be the number five. They're still, they're number four now, I feel, right? It's, it's number yeah, four, I number five now. I think they're fourth. I think they're fourth fifth. Until fifth. They're not going to move. Them. Nobody, nobody's going to steal that spot from Casapia. Uh, that's on the on the positive side. On the on the negative side, uh, to the, the, these two teams, I mean, uh, passes not winning, uh, not winning even one game. Yeah, it's it's just it's just heartbreaking. And uh, gotta tell you, I don't know who which team. If, if let me, if I'm sporting, if I'm sporting right now, I'll be putting. Every single effort to bring uh, Frank Navarro from from Giuseppe. Yeah, the, 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 he needs to get out of it. He needs to get out of it. He's just uh, just way too much uh, for for Giuseppe. And and, and and I love the, the games when they play at Barcelos. But uh, this is a guy that his uh, contribution has been eighty percent. Eighty percent of the goals came from. Uh, <laughs> From Granamaro this season, and I, I won't be surprised if he's interested teams in January. I'll be surprised if he's interested in January. Yeah, Navarro scored a goal the other day for Gil Vicente in the uh, League Cup, you know, so he's still scoring. And he's also, um, right now, he is the second leading scorer in the Liga B-Win. And, uh, yeah, you, yeah. Know, you know, the thing about Gil Vicente is the same thing that worries me about Casapia next year, and that is that, you have these Portuguese clubs, like let's talk Casapia, that are having a great season. They have good young players. They're obviously got good players, the type of players that at the end of the season are going to be picked away and they're going to be going to, you know, bigger clubs. But what happens then is they wind up going into Europe and they play qualifiers in August. And the team that finishes, you know, is not necessarily the team right. that's going to be playing in August. And a lot of times the best players we saw with Lino you know, Samuel Lino is right. no longer with uh, Gilby said it. Um, you saw the manager, Ricardo Suarez. A few weeks right. before the season, he leaves to go coach in Egypt, which, you know, didn't work out for him, but he takes this opportunity in Egypt. And my biggest concern is, is that with a club like Casapia doing what they're doing, if they were to somehow finish in a European spot, by the time we get to August, it's not going to be the same team that's going to play in the European competition and as a result, it hurts Portugal's coefficient ranking. And it's just, you know, this is a conversation that a lot of people uh, you know, talk about. But Fran Navarro, it's, it's a surprise that he's still in. And just so you know, you mentioned him about sporting. There was some reports that sporting was interested in him. Uh -huh. but supposedly, and again, if you go by what they have on the newspaper covers, 
apparently, again, I think it was either the Recordo or the Abola, apparently Amarin wasn't very high on them. That's apparently well, the story. You see, that, that's the stubbornness I'm talking about. How can you not be, I mean, you want to play Paulinho, you still expecting that you're, you're how many, how much they pay for Paulinho? I think it was 10 mil, 10 Something mil, right? Like that, yeah. Right? And uh, he hasn't produced yet. He, it's not I mean, low production in the first year, low production in the second year, and now when it's torn enough to not bring a striker that's performing at his best this season, it's just ridiculous. That's an Amory, and that's why I'm saying that Amory is the biggest reason why Sporting is not performing, even though they, there's, you know, the Pedro Porro is not the same as last year, and uh, no, they don't have access to Nunes, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but he is the reason why Sporting is struggling. Yeah, you know, that thing that I don't understand sometimes about, um, you know, the way they do things in Portugal. But, you know, there was one player on Sporting that always seemed to score goals at the right time when you needed him. Um, he, you know, he would come off the bench and score a big goal or he would start. Um, I don't get the situation with Giovanni Cabral. Um, when, when, when everything stopped for the pandemic and then they came back to finish the last 10 matches, Giovanni Cabral was the best player in Portugal. I think he had something yeah. like five or six goals. And then the year uh, where they won the Liga, he was, I think he scored like nine or 10 goals and they were pivotal goals. It wasn't like he right. was scoring goals every week, but he just, he just hit the, the goal at the right time. I remember that first season, I think Sporting had gone 26, 27 matches in the Liga without a loss. You know, they had a bunch of draws and they had losses. Right, right. And I remember one game, you probably was calling it. I don't know if you remember it, but I, I don't remember the opponent, but he came off the bench and he scored the winning goal. Yeah, the winning goal, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and he, I don't get like, and then all of a sudden, he gets sent off on loan to Lazio out of the blue. Totally no one expected that. He goes to Lazio. I think he only played like two or three matches. The right. manager at Napoli who's a very big name and his name escapes me right now. Uh, but I think he was the manager at one time at Juventus. Um, he was surprised that uh, the sports director at Lazio went after Giovanni Cabral and Giovanni just never did anything at Lazio. And I don't understand that sometimes about Portugal is that um, why is it that if you have a player like Giovanni Cabral, why would you just do these moves at the last minute and send them away when they've been contributing to the team uh, you know, it was like Mateus Nunes. A lot of surprise that Mateus Nunes was sold. There was a lot of surprise. No one expected that to happen. They thought once they sold, they sold João Paulinho that that was going to be enough. You know, you got your right. 30, 40 million and, and you're going to be okay. And then they sell Mateus Nunes out of the blue, which, you know, just, you know, it just surprised a lot of people. It, it, why? It's just, you know, it's just about the front office. Sometimes uh, how they how they run their business doesn't make any any sense uh, for for us that who that would follow the the league, follow the players, follow the performances. And um, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I, I can understand from I mean from what point of view that's uh, from one perspective that's gonna be uh, beneficial for the team. What what I mean. You know, I'm giving this all these players out, getting all this money in. It's like what is it? What 80 mil, right? Between Valinha and uh, and, and Mateos, right? That's yeah, it. it was like 70, 80 mil. Yeah, I mean, look, good yeah. money, obviously, but let's not let's also be honest. The club doesn't get it all. After you subtract the agent fees and there's a whole bunch of stuff that 
Right, right, right. All right, let's take out 20, 20 mil out of that. Let's take 20, take, take 20 mil out. You got yeah. 60. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. yeah, and and that, by the way, is that sometimes the reason why I think they make that move. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but the Darwin deal, it was advertised as 90, but really all that Fika got was 50 out of it. You know, something to that effect. It's just, uh, there's all these decisions. But uh, yeah, sporting has been a very big uh, uh, surprise in the wrong way this year. Uh, Porto uh, has struggled, and unfortunately, they find themselves down eight points. Braga has been a very big surprise because they started off so well. They were scoring a lot of goals. I think they went their first seven, eight matches of the season where they only gave up one or two goals. Um, and it seemed like they were playing better when all the rumors were surfacing about Ricardo Duarte and Benfica. And then all of a sudden, that's over. And all of a sudden, he's not going anywhere. And then all of a sudden, they don't play the same. Like, you know, maybe Braga needs to go back to having controversy about their players being sold. Because, <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, they were doing so yeah. much better yeah, and there were all these stories. Even Vitinha was in the news. There was some; he was getting some interest from Germany, and then none of it had happened. And um, it's just, it's just very, it's very sad and very unfortunate. But Braga, they start off so well, and they become they, they just you know how they didn't win the Europa League group is beyond me. You know, they start off with two uh, wins. Um, it's just a very big surprise. But have you had? How much did you get a chance to do any Braga games this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I caught Braga games this year. Yeah, of course. And uh, it, you know, the the first, I think there were five in a row, right? That they it was five. Yeah, I think it was five. Yeah, five in a row. They went uh, undefeated, and then yeah. uh, they got into this uh, back to back back to back losses, and um, and then not also not also uh, the team, you know, giving away these 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 games, but. Uh, this is in consideration. Simon Massa went cold. He he went cold. After a hot start, he went cold, and suddenly you have that firepower up front, and uh, you're looking out for Vitinha, and uh, Richie Ortiz is, is not producing at the same level, and uh, and, and then you, and then you have a problem. But uh, I, I, I thought for a second that uh, that they were going to be the number two. Finally, being the, the number two, not the big four, but being the big two uh, this season. But uh, I guess I was, I guess I was wrong. I was By the wrong. way, I love it when you say Richie Orta. <laughs> <laughs> you know what my favorite is? You know, like again, if 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 you had the uh, privilege, the pleasure, and I know a lot of people do, uh, to listen uh, to Nino on uh, Gold TV, is I love it. Like when uh, Vin Diesel was the manager of Gimenez. Remember that? <laughs> And you're yeah, like, oh, yeah. Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel. And, uh, you know, you have these, like, catchphrases that I just think are, are very funny. And uh, But uh, so so tell us, I mean, um, yeah, I, it's you. And there's another gentleman that also broadcasts the play-by-play, -play, correct? And you're doing this, by the way, by yourself. Yes, yes. Uh, it's, it's me and it's Emmanuel Oyola. He's the other one. The other play-by-play. -play. Actually, we were three play-by-play we uh, -play announcers. But uh, the, the third one. Uh, Piero, he doesn't get as many. Yeah, I think he the the, the way we split it is, I do sixty percent of the games. Uh, Manu does thirty, and Piero does ten percent of the games of the whole package that we uh, broadcast every every week. It's uh, we broadcast like what is it twelve doing twelve on thirteen games uh, per week, 
and I do six or seven uh, every week. Yeah, again, you do a uh, really a great job. And I think uh, I just love your perspective, how you bring that perspective from outside of Portugal and, you know, very objective. And, uh, you know, another thing that I love about um, Gold TV that you guys do a very good job is your your weekly show where you summarize the the week that just finished. I know usually it right. comes out like on Wednesday, I have it on uh, recording. And um, I've actually watched the first seven or eight you did. I got a little bit, which is by the way, good with when you don't have any, you know, first division football going on, you know, I could always go right. back and uh, check that out. But I think you guys do a uh, a very good job with the uh, the summaries and, and, and you know, things like that. And, uh, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but, you know, we've played 13 weeks. We have uh, 21 left. We've got the big Benfica sporting game coming up uh, next month. Um, some of your predictions about these last 21 matches, um, what are some of your thoughts about what's going to happen here as we head toward the last two-thirds of the season? Uh, I think this is the, the year where the, where the drought ends uh, for, for Benfica. They're going to win the title. Forgive me, all the Porto fans, but I think it's, it's going to happen. Uh, Casapia is going to be the, uh, the best of the rest. And uh, the teams at the bottom of the table, that right now, uh, what is uh, Marichimo? Yeah, Passos, Passos, yeah. And um, that that's not going to change. That that's not going to change. That those are, I mean, for sure, Marichimo and Passos are going down. Now the third team, uh, it's going to be it's going to be a battle at the very very end of, of the season. Is because uh, nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. Above uh, the, the, the bottom three. Uh, okay, you got Family Cow, Strong, you got Santa Clara. And uh, yeah, this is going to be, uh, you know, by the very end of the season, who's going to be the third one? But uh, Marichimo passes are going down for sure. Uh, what else? Porto, Porto second, I would say, Befica, Porto, Braga, and uh, Sporting, and Casapia, the top five. That's the that's the order. Yeah, and I think uh, you know I was talking to you before we uh, went on, and I was saying that you know Basus and Meritimo have long been middle of the pack clubs in the Liga. They don't, you know, maybe every once in a while they battle for a European spot, but they're generally middle of the season. They're middle of the table clubs. They don't usually do this bad. And Basus has been very surprising um, that they have managed to struggle the way they did and. Uh, what was interesting with Basus is uh, Cesar Peixoto uh, was the manager, and he's kind of been bouncing around. He's very, he's a very, by the way, a very interesting Instagram follower. If anyone wants to follow the life of, uh, you know, a manager, because you follow his Instagram, and you see nothing in there about football. He loves to play paddle ball, all that stuff, and then all of a sudden, one day out of the blue, he's the manager of a first division team, and you're like, really? you wouldn't know that watching his Instagram that he's, you know. You know, and uh, it's just it's just amazing. But uh, Maritimo is also a very interesting story because, you know, they play in Madeira, um, a club that I think, what, four or five years ago, they were playing in the Europa. I think they beat Leeds or somebody. Um, mm. they, they have a history. You know, there's a history of them every once in a while, and they've just been uh, really, really bad. And um, uh, But we'll see. But uh, like I said, we've had 13 matches in the book. Um, I would say right now that, Unless Benfica trips up, and they're not going to trip up for four or five matches. I think if they trip up for two or three matches in a row, if, if Porto is now ready to pounce on those opportunities, 
Then I think for the first time, I don't think Benfica's won any trophies at all. The last three right. years. Right. You know, I think that uh, they have a, you know, they have a shot to uh, do that. And, uh, you know, obviously they're still in the Portuguese Cup. You know, what's interesting also about the uh, League Cup is, um, you know, uh, Roger Schmidt's not a fan of the League Cup. He thinks that, you know, look, you know, our players are at the World Cup. This competition shouldn't be played now. But again, like I say, I reiterate, like, okay, so you'd rather play this during the season and all of a sudden have to be playing football every three days leading into playing important European matches? Like, you might as well get this over with now. So I, I just don't know. Sometimes I think the clubs take their lead from the directors just to kind of say, look, let's just go ahead and say this. Because if we do lose a League Cup match, we can fall back on the excuse when everybody knows in the long run, it's better for Benfica to be playing the League Cup now because they don't want a congested schedule when you start getting into like February, March, and uh, April. Right. You know, so, uh, Nino, I'm going to let you, first off, thank you so much. Uh, unfortunately, we started off with some technical difficulties, but I'm glad that we were able to uh, come back on. Uh, Nino, I'm going to give you the final word again. Please promote uh, your social media handle again. Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you, Johnny, for having me on the show again. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Uh, you can find me all across the uh, platforms as ESPNino74, or just look up for my name, Nino Torres, and you have Dol TV in there. So it should come up on my, uh, my, uh, my handles in there. Yeah, now the other good thing also about Nino, on, uh, I've noticed, you know, you, you interact with the fans on Twitter. You know, people, you go yeah. out an opinion, you come back and you talk to them. So, uh, if you've uh, ever wanted to interact with somebody that's calling the game, I think you have a you know a lot of people. You know, it depends. They just they don't interact at all, but you do, and I, I got to give you a lot of credit for that. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. I, I, it's just uh, I had a lot of fun too, and uh, and, I, and, I, and I enjoy it. And I have the you know I'm just multitasking because I got like a four or five screens when I call the games and typing in and you know, looking for information. Uh, I just uh, got uh, so used to it, and, uh, and I enjoy it a lot. Yeah. Well, let me say, Nino, as always, I just want to say thank you for taking time. I know today was a very busy day watching the games. And I know particularly with uh, Mexico and Argentina, you were really pumped up about that. Well, let me ask you a quick question. Who's winning the World Cup? Let me put you on the spot. Who's winning the World Cup? I got my candidate some six months ago, and that's Argentina. Mm. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. After I Saudi don't know Arabia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, well, we'll see. I... Uh, I, I I know Portugal has a chance, but again, uh, maybe if we if, if like you said, you predicted three to two uh, score between Portugal and Uruguay. If that happens, then I'll be more encouraged. But unfortunately, Santos ball. Uh, we don't usually score this uh, many goals, so we'll see what happens, folks. We're gonna wrap up episode uh, one forty six again, uh, dropping this episode on Saturday night. Um, not only are we uh, just previewed Portugal Uruguay but obviously we had an opportunity to talk about the Liga B win which you could pretty much listen at any time especially since uh we still got a lot of weeks left before we resume play you know things the Liga B win does not start up until after Christmas and I'm afraid to say we still have a very you know very long month to go and I hope people will get the opportunity to kind of follow the elite cup even though I know early on 161 fans at Boa Vista B-side it hasn't really captured the attention, but uh, by the way, do you know why? You know what I saw was very weird? So Benfica has played, you know, they won again tonight, so they played two matches in the League Cup. Right. Roger Schmidt, if reports are to be believed, is giving the players 10 days off now. 
And then they come back, they're going to finish the group match. I oh, mean, that right. is weird. <laughs> you know, that, that's, like, that's like just weird to have the World Cup going on and we have to go through these things. Man, it's just all about the all about the Qataris, man. They, they're blaming on them because uh, we we playing a World Cup in a, in December. Ah. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, it's just been weird. But I guess uh, you know, I tell you, between everything that's been going on the last two or three years, you know, football has, you know, although I thought last year, you know, everyone played when they usually play, but uh, you know, that's the good thing, I guess, about after we're done with this, is I think things will kind of go back to being more normal future. Future tournaments will wind up still being in June. People will still start their season in August. And right. we could go back to, you know, kind of having that routine that we're all used to. Um, and uh, I just think that would be a lot of fun. But anyway, I've kept you on long enough. Nino, again, Nino Torres uh, from Gold TV. Uh, thank you so much uh, for your thoughts and your comments. Uh, folks, going to be a great match uh, between Portugal and Uruguay. Uh, Portugal's got a little bit of revenge after, uh, you know, when they lost to uh, Uruguay at the uh, four years ago in the round of 16. Uh, and then, of course, you know, if Portugal gets the positive result, then they've got to worry about Paulo Bento and South Korea. Obviously, we're all enjoying the fact. Uh, I know in my part of the world, I usually wake up to whatever winds up playing at five in the morning. Uh, I don't, you know, generally get up at five in the morning to watch that game, but uh, the football has been uh, really good and uh, there's been some surprises. So, Continue to enjoy uh, the matches. And uh, again, um, hopefully we'll see new stars created. Hopefully the old stars will give us uh, new memories. And at the end of the day, hopefully at the end of the day, when I talk to you again, that Portugal um, takes care of business and beats Uruguay. And, and I'll tell you what, if we could win, I believe if I heard correctly, depending on what happens with the other group match, we can go into the last match against South Korea and maybe rest some of our players uh, which I think would be very important to go into that last match day because, um, you know, I, I'm actually used to, I, I think it was Brazil. Brazil, the World Cup in Brazil, it seems like we were playing like every six or seven days. This Qatar World Cup, we're playing like every three or four days. And I like that. You know, I, I just, yeah. I don't know if you feel that same way too. Yeah, absolutely. It's more rhythm in the competition. Yeah, you know, they, it's just like one after the other, and I think it's uh, it's better. But anyway, folks, wrapping up episode 146. As always, please take care of yourselves. Please take care of your families. PortugueseSoccer.com website, Peace Soccer C-O-M on Twitter, Facebook. Our partner site on Instagram, Portuguese underscore soccer underscore noticias. Uh, again, also, I am putting these episodes back up on uh, YouTube. Um, not really much video, it's just mostly the audio, but apparently there are people that prefer to watch it on audio on YouTube, so God bless you, and uh, thank you for uh, listening, so I just want to throw that out, but anyway, that wraps up episode 146, I'll talk to you soon, everybody, ciao.